0: Good morning. We are thankful you are here this morning. As Brother Joe has already said, it is a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful day. Anytime we can see the sun with some of the weather we've just had, we are thankful for it. But we are thankful for your willingness to be here even this day as we worship God together. We have a number of visitors in our midst. We try to get to all of you and welcome you. We have visitor cards that are out in the lobby if you've not been handed one already. That we hope that you would fill out so that we have a record of your attendance but there are many many visitors with us and i don't want to try to leave anyone out the only person that i will mention and that's because my wife does have another man sitting with her uh, but that is her cousin uh darren who is in for the funeral of course And uh, we're thankful he's here, but we're thankful that all of you are here. We have many who may be visiting for the first time. Some of you may have been here before, but we're grateful for your presence this morning. We had a a bit of a tough week uh, this past week here in the congregation. A lot of folks really have, uh, with the loss of loved ones, a lot who are battling various illnesses. But we're thankful that you are here. I would just say on behalf, even as the card was read, of our family, I think I can speak on behalf of the Shriver family as they've extended their thanks We're thankful to so many of you who have paid tribute to these good folks and the way that we can lift and encourage each other through all the many things that we face here upon this earth. We have been talking about the book of Exodus for a while now. We have been working through that because our young people have been taking a look at that book for the last to leaders program that will take place in just over a month. We will be going to Nashville to the convention site there. and, And one of the big things that our kids participate in is the Bible Bowl. And so we are excited about that, and we're, we're having them study that and looking through it. I thought it would be beneficial for us as well to take a look at that as a congregation. By my intention, this is the last Sunday that we will we'll take a look at the book of Exodus. Uh, if you have a chance to listen to any of the podcasts that we put out, and the, the things are on the front of the bulletin there, the places that you can go to look at those, and we would love to have you listen to any of the lessons as we have taken a look at this good book and encourage yourself with the things that we've talked about. But there is a lot that is found there in Exodus. There are several good stories that take place in the book of Exodus. We think about Moses being born. We remember the basket, of course, that he was in. We think about his family uh, and how he was saved in that way. We think about the burning bush. We know that story. We think about the ten plagues, the Red Sea crossing, the Ten Commandments, the golden calf. There are a lot of good stories in the book of Exodus. But a little did you know to begin this morning, did you know that in a way, and again, I don't have the exact figures here, but in a way, the book of Exodus is really almost half full of instructions. Now, many times we take a look at the Old Testament and we we get frustrated and we don't like to read it because there are long list of things. Of course, there are the genealogies that are many times included there, and those are hard to read and... You know me as much as anybody messes up all the names when we go through them, but sometimes there's a whole list of instructions that are there as well. Some of you may have caught uh, the Facebook video that we posted last night, and I joked about being an expert in the old law, but it's, it's kind of funny some of the things that are mentioned in the book of Exodus. And by the way, a little bit of a plug here for our lesson tonight, if you'll be back with us at 6 p.m., I don't know how many preachers promote that they're going to take a humorous lesson and look at the Bible, a humorous look at a particular uh, lesson, but we're going to do our best tonight at 6 p.m. to take a, a look at a few things that kind of seem a little bit humorous from the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus is not really the main place But there are a few chapters of instructions. That's not necessarily the thrust, but there are these instructions of how to deal with your fellow man and situations that sometimes arise. In fact, as I, I've told you, we, we've been looking at this with our young people, and it's been terribly difficult for them to try to take a look at this because, uh, you know, it's hard to read, and it's hard certainly to even memorize, much less it's even hard to keep your attention as they've thinking uh, been thinking about studying these particular things. But this morning, I'd like for us to consider that maybe all of these instructions do have an application for us today. Maybe this list of instructions, the things that are given specifically in the book of Exodus, can mean something for us, and we can take some encouragement for them. We're not going to go through chapter by chapter, but as you go through, there are many instructions. I've picked out a few for us to share in this morning. Chapter 25, beginning in verses 10 and 11, And they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall overlay it and shall make on it a molding of gold all around later. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold that this table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers and its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold. Fifty loops you shall make in the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall make on the edge of the curtain that is on the end of the second set, that the loops may be clasped to one another. And you shall make fifty clasps of gold, and couple the curtains together with the clasp so that it may be one tabernacle. You shall make forty sockets of silver under the twenty boards, two sockets under each of the boards for its two tenons. And for the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, there shall be 20 boards. And there are 40 sockets of silver, two sockets under each of the boards. For the far side of the tabernacle, westward, you shall make six boards. And you shall also make two boards for the two back corners of the tabernacle. They shall take the gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and the fine linen, and they shall make the ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen, artistically worked. It shall have two shoulder straps joined at its two edges, and so it shall be joined together, and the intricately woven band of the ephod which is on it shall be of the same workmanship, made of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen. Now let me take stock here and see how many people I've put to sleep already with reading all of those instructions. I think we're all still together, so we'll move on. I don't know about you, but I'm tired just thinking about all of those instructions, thinking about all these things that they were told that they had to do. I, I tend to believe, as some of our Navy folks may remember, that they had a method. It includes a word we don't say in the Danley household, but the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. We don't use that word, but, you know, that's what it says. Keep it Simple, But yet God has given these detailed instructions for them to do these things. There's the onyx and the acacia. And we don't even have time to read of the bells and the pomegranates and the tunics and the knobs and the gold. But here's the thing. Do you think that God enjoyed this? Do you think he got fun out of it? Now, sometimes we give our kids a, a good laugh sometimes or give them a hard time. And we say, you know, when they, they kind of give us a hard time about all the rules, we say, do you think this is fun for us? Do you think God enjoyed giving these detailed lists of instructions? But, you know, I have to think that these rules, all of these instructions were given and they're not given just for the fun of it. You see, when we take a look at what is really being said here in the book of Exodus, God is giving them A place of honor. God is giving them the instructions for a place of honor and beauty so that he can live with his people. They have been through the book of Exodus there were were 70 then that were into Egypt and as the people begin to multiply as we begin there in Exodus chapter 1 we are creating this nation this group of people and God says if you will obey my commands if you will follow what I have told you to do. This was our lesson over the last couple of weeks. Then you shall be my people. God is creating these people and he's brought them out of Egypt. And now he is giving them this beautiful, this wonderful place of honor. So that he can live with his people. You see, he's taking great care. He's taking great care and concern and great precision to help them. To help his people make a place where he can be with them. It's not an afterthought. It's not something that he just kind of came up with off the top of his head. It's not a haphazard way of just throwing things together and saying, well, let, let's see what happens. No, he, he's taking the time, the care, the concern, the precision to make it exactly right. So that it can be beautiful and wonderful. And so that he can be with his people. In fact, notice what happened as we follow through some of these chapters. In chapter 32 of the book of Exodus, as the Lord is finishing some of these instructions that we have just read through here through some of the chapters 25 through 28 or so, as the Lord is finishing these instructions, we come to chapter 32, the golden calf. And we work through that error. We work through the mistake that the people made. They break the covenant. They create this idol. They're dancing around it and they're worshiping and honoring it. But we work through that error and the covenant between God and the people is renewed. And as we get to chapter 35, Moses begins to build the tabernacle. But notice, it's not just Moses. In chapter 35, beginning in verse number 10, and all who are... Gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Go over to chapter 35 and begin reading at verse number 34. And he has put in his heart the ability to teach. In him and Aholiab, the son of Ahazimot of the tribe of Dan, he has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue purple and scarlet thread and fine linen, and of the weaver, those who do every work, and those who do artistic works. And then chapter thirty-six and verse number one. And Beheziel and Aholiab, and every gifted artisan, in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding, to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. You see, The gifted artisans were important to the work. The gifted artisans were important important to what was going to be taking place right then and there. This is not a Noah project. You know, I mean, Noah had a little bit of family, but but Noah was the main one, right? We pictured Noah building this great work, this great masterpiece of an ark. But this is not a Noah project. but, But Moses is going to work with all of these people who will bring their part who will bring their talent, and they will make this thing happen. They will build this tabernacle together. And notice again what happens in chapter 35, beginning in verse number 29. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed in chapter 20 there, excuse me, chapter 35, beginning in verse number 20, from the presence of Moses. And everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments notice in verse 22 they came both men and women as many as had a willing heart go on down 23 and every man verse 25 all the women verse 29 again the children of Israel they are working together all these gifted artisans to help build this tabernacle. God is giving them this great tent, this place of meeting. And do you think that God could, could have just said, you know, bam, there you go. God could have just said, poof, here, here it is. He could have just made a tabernacle appear out of nowhere. Don't you think he could have done that? I mean, this is the God of the ten plagues. This is the God of the Red Sea crossing. This is the God who sent the bread from heaven and delivered the water from the rock. He could have just said, there you go. I'll make it for you. There it is. Now you can handle it from there. That's not the way that God chose to handle this. This is the God of heaven and earth. This is the creator. He made everything around us. He could have just made this tabernacle and there it is. But he chose instead, because in case you didn't know, God knows better than you and he certainly knows better than me. And he realized that in allowing the people to be a part of making this tent, this tabernacle, in allowing the people to be a part of the process, something beautiful and something wonderful was made. A place for God so that he could live with his people. So you say, so what, preacher? I mean, that's great. They made that long ago. It doesn't have anything to do with me. That's a great thing that they did, The great thing that they built, but what does it have to do with us? But you know, I just have to believe that that tabernacle was something to behold. I mean, when you read about, and you you really read, because I skipped around, and I even skipped over a few verses on the slides, but when you really read about all the gold and the way that it was put together, I mean, I, I have to believe that it was something wonderful and majestic to think about. And behold, this great tabernacle that Moses and all the people, I'm sure it was masterful and beautiful. But what has God done for us today? He says, that, that's great. But that was long ago. What about us today? We don't have that. In fact, sometimes if we build a church that's too big and too fancy, then everybody kind of fusses about that as well, right? So I mean, we don't want to make it too nice. So I mean, that's wonderful that they had gold in this tabernacle. But what about us? But the God of the Garden of Eden, who, by the way, made that beautiful garden so that he could be with his people at the time, Adam and Eve only. But that same God of the Garden of Eden and creating that beautiful place is the God of the tabernacle who allowed this to be built, who created this beautiful place. And he is even still the God of today. So what has he done for us? Well, I submit to you that he's given us a place of honor and beauty where he can live with his people. The New Testament speaks about it in various places in different ways. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Paul said it as well in a similar way in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 27 that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Paul said it as well in First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 25, First Corinthians 12:25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And even Peter, in First Peter chapter two, And verse number five, that you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As much care and concern and detailed instructions as God gave for the tabernacle so that the people could make this place where he could be if he gave that much thought and that much care, how much more does he care for me and for you and for his church? God gave all those instructions. He gave all that list of things so that they could make this wonderful, beautiful, glorious place that he could live with his people. But again, the same God of the tabernacle, the same God of the Garden of Eden, the same God for today. And he's made a wonderful and beautiful place that we can be. It's not this building. It is sort of us in a sense, but it's his most glorious and wonderful church. He's given great care and concern to how we are to live. He has given us the instructions we need. He's told us how to live. He's told us how we are to interact with one another. When he says, don't be drunk. When he says that the sexual relationship is for marriage only. When he says, don't lie, don't gossip. When he says, be pure and be holy. He's given us his instructions to make this beautiful and glorious place. He's given us the plans for his church. A place where we can be with him. He's given us the instructions. He's made this place his church, the body of believers relying on each other in unity and in fellowship in turning in him to worship, turning to him in worship and turning to him. And it's beautiful. It's just as beautiful in a sense as the tabernacle was. Yeah, it's different. And it means something different. We could spend, I mean, if you went to a Bible college or or something along those lines, you could take a whole semester to look at all these types and any types and the tabernacle and the temple and look at the church today. And as we take just a brief look at it this moment, a moment this morning, it's beautiful. I mean, can you see that? Can you see how beautiful his church is when people are working together and dwelling together in unity? I get to outsiders that it may seem a little bit crazy sometimes. You know, again, it's kind of like Noah. Noah built that big old boat and it hadn't even rained. The people are looking at him like he's crazy. And it's possibly even how the children of Israel felt. I mean, they're like, these are the instructions. These are the things we have to go by. These are the rules. They may even felt like what they were doing was crazy. And I get that that it may seem to outsiders like this is crazy. But when you live inside... When you live with God, when you enjoy this place that he's made to be with him, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's something that we can enjoy together. And you know what? It's just the way that he designed it. When he took the time to give all those great instructions, that detailed list, he took the time to put the care and concern into building this great tabernacle. He made it just the way he designed it, just the way he wanted it so that he could be with his people. I get that sometimes we take our Bible and we treat it like a list of instructions. We look at it and we say, boy, there's a lot of things in there that we can do. There's a lot of things in there that we can't do. It seems like God's telling us a lot of what to do. God's made his church just the way that he designed it. And it is a beautiful and wonderful thing. Just like that tabernacle, and we're not even going to talk about the temple this morning, but just how he took the time and put the time into those things. The church, his church, is wonderful and beautiful and glorious when we will do and follow what he has told us to do. But as we began to conclude this lesson, notice what happened in the midst of building this great place. If you've got your Bible still there, go to Exodus 36 and verses 2 through 7. <coughs> Exodus 36, 2 through 7. Notice what happened. The people get to work and they're going to build this great thing. God told them how to do it and they're going to get to work. But notice what happens. Then Mo- Moses called Behaziel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and to do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him freewill offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses. And what do they say? The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. Verse six, so Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary and the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Notice what happens when the people get to work. In the end, the people give more than enough. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Do you understand what this means? The people who are a part of this family, the people who are a part of this body are giving too much. And they keep bringing and they keep bringing and they keep giving and they keep giving. And Moses has to say, stop. Stop. We cannot take any more. We can't handle because you have brought more than enough. The New King James says you've given sufficiently, indeed, too much. It has to be commanded. It's got to be proclaimed throughout all the land. Stop bringing all of these things because you have given more than enough. What about us? Are we giving more than enough? Are you giving your share? Moses has to say, stop, stop bringing, stop giving. What if each one of us gave of ourselves and gave of our talent so much that the elders of the Saudi Church of Christ had to say, stop, we cannot handle anymore. I mean, don't get me wrong. This congregation is wonderful. This congregation is loving and kind and giving. We've already seen it this week in example and in work, especially with those that we've lifted up in prayer at the loss of their loved ones. This isn't intended to be a reprimand, but just a challenge. Are we giving to this congregation? Are we giving to each other? More importantly, and most importantly, are we giving to God? Because I believe with all that is in me that if we will meet here, if we will be in this place together, not not the building made with hands, if we will be the church then this can be a place, a place where we can come to meet God. And this community can come and meet God. And if we will give and create a place where people can see Jesus working and see God and meet God, then we can do some great and wonderful things. If we will live according to the instructions he's given us, follow that plan and help be a part of this beautiful and glorious church that he has made then it can be beautiful and wonderful and it can be a sight to behold by all those not only in Hamilton County or Saudi Daisy or the Southeast United States, but in the world. But as we conclude our lesson this morning, the first step to enjoying this church, this beautiful thing that he's created, this body of people, the first step to enjoying that is to be a part of it. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you've never become a part of the body of Christ. Because if you want to be a part of this glorious church, I don't have a say in it. I don't get a vote. No one here gets a vote. The Lord will add you to his church when you become gospel obedient. Obedient to his will and what he has told you and he's told everyone in the world to do. We say it often. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to join that beautiful, glorious, and wonderful church. We stand ready and willing to assist you to think about how wonderful it is to have your sins washed away in baptism so that the Lord can add you to his church and you can begin enjoying this wonderful thing that he has created. It's beautiful. It's glorious. He has made it. He has designed it. He has told us the way of entrance. This morning, maybe you're here and you want to become a Christian. We would gladly assist you with that. Maybe you're here and you're like some of these children of Israel. Maybe you were a part of it. Maybe you worked on it, the tabernacle. Maybe you were joined in the wonderful things that were going on, but but maybe you, you stepped away. Yeah, he said it's for somebody else. Maybe there's sin that's entered your life that separated you from God, from his presence. Because notice again, that's what the tabernacle was. He had this built so that he could be with his people. God designed the church so that he could be with his people, but we have to meet him there. Maybe you've been a part of it, but you've wandered away. You've allowed sin to enter your life. It separated you from God and his glorious church. We're thankful for the opportunity to repent of our sins. Pray to God for forgiveness. And he is willing to do just that, that we can again walk in the light as he is in the light. You see, as even as much care as he put into building it and creating it, he even took care and concern of how to enter it. And even when we wander away, how to come back. Maybe you're here this morning and you stand in need of the prayers of this congregation. That's part of the reason why it's built. That we can be with him and we can be with each other. In holiness, not perfection, but in purity and in holiness together. But God's done his part. He's given us the instructions. He's told us the way. It takes a change on our part. And if you're here this morning and you need to become a Christian or come back to him, you can make it known now, even now as we stand together and as we sing.